All right, coach, kick us off. All right, then. So what I would like to start with with the listener today is an introduction is a quote, right? And it's from um, a lady by the name of Dorothy Allison, and it's called Two or Three Things. And here's a portion of her poem. It says, two or three things I know, two or three things I know for sure. And one of them is that to go on living, I have to tell stories that stories are the one sure way I know to touch the heart and change the world. Love it, coach. That's good. Yeah. Well, uh, man, that's really good. Um, All right, coach, I'm going to pick one of my mission statements for my introduction. Uh, I wrote these um, out as part of a like a little mini course I'd done a long time ago. And it's like for family and finances and social and all that. And uh, it is, I will use my abilities to coach and empower others to strategically solve problems and bring joy with integrity, generosity, and wisdom. Mm -hmm. Oh, coach, I'm not sure my father-in-law remembered that Darina's coming. Hang on one second. (laughs) Well, well, coach, that's the joy of podcasting. <laughs> you get interrupted, but uh, I, I'm very intrigued by your topic and um, I took some notes, but I want you to kick us off, coach. Uh, you mentioned the need for courage and research. So go ahead and just dive into what you're thinking. Yeah. So one of the things that we were talking about off air is that we're we're living in a time right now where we are literally overwhelmed with incredible amounts of information. And what we can all say to an individual is that it's negative and that it has an effect on us, right? So, and one of the things that all of this information is doing And I want to say intentionally, but maybe the the reader or the listener does not know they've been taken down this path. But the path is really one that sets up what I'm calling like a binary system of processing information. It's just literally it's either this or that. Right. And what ends up happening is when we exist in that type of thinking, we can't access internal things. We're not able to deal with the complexities of life and how we feel and how we really derive at what we call accurate information that allows us to make the best decisions, right? So the other thing with that is we get used to listening to all of this information and it starts taking us down the road and we're not well. We don't feel good, right? And we don't know what to do. And many of us are afraid, which polarizes our thinking even more. And so one of the things that I was thinking about, I was like, we need courage. We have to be able to have the courage to research what we are hearing. Now, I know off air, you know, we kind of shared a few uh, like biblical examples of what it means to research and to be thorough in what you're after so you can know what you uh, are accessing is true. And I'm saying that we live at a time where there is so much pressure 
financial pressure on people to make decisions, to say certain things that you could be following someone that you knew was a straight up guy or woman, always bringing good, valuable information. But all of a sudden, this individual is under incredible pressure. And now we're hearing people say things that make us go pause. It's like, why are they saying that? This doesn't sound like this. I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. Well, to be uncomfortable with something that we're hearing that no longer resonates with us is not enough, right? We have to go further than that. Because if we don't, we will just dismiss it because that's what we've been conditioned to do. When it's an either or thing and you hear something that you're not really sure what to do with, guess what you do? You bounce it out of your head, but it doesn't mean that it's still not affecting your body. This is why collectively people are still afraid and nervous and they don't know what to do. So you have to take another step. And this is what I mean when I say, first, you have to have the courage. And what I mean by that is, there is never a time, no matter how far you've traveled down that road, that you can't turn around and go back. So you're traveling down the road and then you realize, oh my goodness, I've taken a wrong turn. Well, it doesn't matter that you've driven 50 miles and now your trip is about to be 100 miles because you got to turn around and go back. That's what you do if it's necessary to reset your course. So in this case right here, we're saying, if I've been following someone, and in this case here, I know there's been people that I've been following, and then all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what are you talking about? And then when I start to research, I realize it's like, you know what, you're under financial pressure. You got to maintain your family. You got to maintain your standard of living. You have to do whatever you must to take care of your life. And I fault no one for doing that. Yeah. But having said that, though, even though I can acknowledge it and I can respect that, it doesn't prevent me from saying, you know what, I got to do some research right now because what I'm starting to hear is not really resonating. And if I don't do this research to find out what's really going on for myself, then I am complicit with whatever happens to me, through me, right? Yeah. Because of my inability to say, wait a minute, man, I need to investigate this. I need to make sure that I know, right? Yeah. And so, yes, courage, one, to say, I'm going to investigate so I can find the truth to the extent that I can. And once I've gone as far as I can, that's when I can reach for what we call faith, right? But until I am committed to the courage required for me to research and investigate everything that I'm hearing and reading to make sure it's true, until I do that, right, I have not helped myself. I have not helped my family. I have not helped my community, and I certainly have not helped the planet. Can you read that uh, quote again, Coach? Um, the one about the story? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Two or three things I know. Two or three things I know for sure. And one of them is that to go on living, I have to tell stories. That stories are the one sure way I know to touch the heart and to change the world. 
When uh, you said that quote and just hearing you talk, I want to flesh it out a little bit so that people understand really where we're coming from and, and how to apply it. So you got, you know, the story or the, the world is actually ran through stories. Yep. You know, people gain control of countries, states, counties, cities through stories. Right. Uh, it's a narrative that's being told. Um, also, we have storylines within us. Mm-hmm. that we either agree with or we might, you know, fight against, but there's stories that are constantly being played. We also have the stories of past experiences, good or bad, uh, that tell us a message. And then, of course, you are usually intertwined in the story of the people that you're closest to. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that you said in the conversation before we got started was that When we place our hope in people that are under tremendous pressure, especially financial, that can be a dangerous thing to do because people will begin to say and to act uh, from a place of fear of loss and a place of preservation versus, you know, okay, what is actually good for me and the people around me that isn't destructive? I mean, that's why you have people that they have millions and millions of dollars. And then when that seems to be threatened, they will make some really stupid decisions, including illegal decisions. Uh, Now, of course, you have those are just greedy. And so they, they will make poor choices just to get more and more and more. But what we're talking about is you're always gonna have either where you're feeling pressure or those around you are feeling pressure And the thing is, is if you're not aware of what's happening, you will find yourself going along with the pressure. So what I hear you saying is you have to stop and have courage and the level of courage needed will depend on the level of relationship to, right, to stop and be like, okay, is this accurate? Is what is being said or the actions that they're proposing, is this actually accurate? And then do research, but also it goes to a larger level of even the narrative of social media, the narrative of the news, the narrative of even the government, et cetera. Is this accurate information, what they're telling us? And then only when you're able, because you said binary thinking, that's where people get into a place where they only see like two options when they're under pressure. And you said, that binary thinking is the inability to set with the uncomfortableness and examine and research data and options. Is that is that a good summary of what you said? Absolutely. That absolutely right. Because the, you know, the world is complex. Mm-hmm. And there are things that we learn through experience. But one of the things that we find out every time we try try to make something either this or that, we end up discovering something in the middle way, right? Something else happens. And when the thing that, when the unexpected happens, we use another word and we call it an anomaly, right? Or something else. But what people don't realize is when they throw that word at you, they bounce you out of the complexity then and back into a binary system of thinking. So you dismiss the one thing that you should really be investigating, right? And I can just, I, I can just in another example, and I'm just gonna just bounce out real quick and come back. I read a map 
that someone had given me about the terrain of a hunting trip I'm going on. Well, I want to say something. Reading a 2D map and a 2D computer image is one source of thinking. If you just rely on that map and you don't put your feet on the ground, when you go to put your feet on the ground, you're going to find that you are totally equipped to deal with the information that you are processing in that singular way of thinking. It's like, oh, here's the map. This is what it looks like. But then when you get there, you find out, wait a minute, you got to go down a 20% grade, right? And then you're going to have to go up another 30% grade to 9,000 feet. Guess what? If you haven't done your research thoroughly, you're going to find out that you are totally unprepared for that experience that you have to deal with real time. And this is exactly what we're saying when it comes to being forced into binary thinking. You are not able to process all the complexities of your life. And so you find yourself trying to make a pressure decision thinking either this or that, right? When in fact, there is much more going on to that situation than what you've been led to believe. Sort of like thinking that a person is simply depressed because they're thinking a certain way. Well, sure, they're thinking a certain way, but how did they get there? You see what I'm saying? So when you remove the context from the situation, you just say, well, that person is going around and they're chronically depressed but you haven't really done the research. And so from people who are put in positions to help other people, let's say like me, right? If you only go with that institutionalized form of thinking, well, this person has got these behaviors, they got depression, but they're doing this or that, but they haven't figured out how did that person come to be in that situation? If you don't look at how that person came to be there, you are not able to help that person with the reality of the situation that they're living in. You just sit back with the pen, with the ability to diagnose something in the person, but you haven't explored what's really happening with them, which is another way of saying that you haven't really helped them. You've actually hurt them. And that's the same thing with ourselves, isn't it too, coach? Like we can think that we're doing something for whatever reason, but actually it's a totally different narrative that we may not even connect with current behavior. That's actually the root. Sherry, that is five stars. If we could give a clap, right? It is because everything that's happening first is happening inside of us. And this is why we go back again and say, hey, look, You have entered the time of courage in your life. You want to live the life that you set out to live? Well, the first thing that you find out is that it's not all about money. I don't care what your financial picture is. We know too many people who are millionaires across the planet. And as we said, they are not making accurate decisions because they're dealing with fears of loss. Fears of loss creates very rigid forms of thinking, right? Mm. And so Mm -hmm. it's not about money. It's about something else more intangible for that. So this is why 
the person has to be able to say, what do I need to make sure that I'm living my best life, right? And when I mean my best life, I don't mean a life of comfort and convenience. I mean a life that makes sure that you are not only elevating yourself, but you're elevating your family, your friends, your community, right? Because this is actually how we started, isn't it? We started off healing business, healing community. Because we knew that your business and your community is not separated, right? If your community is in trouble, your businesses within that community are in trouble, right? Yeah. If your businesses in that community are not taking care of the community members, guess what? Then it all fails. And the next thing you know, we have what they call a ghost town. Yeah, exactly. You know, that fear of loss creates very rigid forms of thinking. Um, I know a few millionaires. Um, One of them uh, basically, I mean, you know, can buy a thousand dollar meals to events, travel anywhere he wants, um, be part of, you know, some of the inner circles of society and government and all that stuff. And yet, the wealthier he has become, the more rigid he has become in his thinking. And in fact, I was just having this very conversation because I'm uh, friends with his wife. And I, I told her, I said, you know, the thing is, is that um, because certain things have not been dealt with, what's happening is those things are now cracking under the weight of success. So that's why we always say, like, it's never money. Money doesn't make you happy. It affords you some things you might want, but that's not the source of happiness. Because if that was the case, then, you know, all these people that you see that have more money and things in the world would be the happiest people on the planet. And yet you still find them committing suicide. Their marriages are, you know, uh, just absolutely awful. Their health is awful. There's addiction, all kinds of stuff. So Money is not the answer. And but as you begin to succeed, if you don't deal with those stories and narratives, all of a sudden you find things crumbling underneath you because it cannot handle the weight of that responsibility. Because then it's like people are like, you know, oh, I love your uh, house, you know, and they're like, have you ever thought about moving? I said, yeah, but if I do, it's either going to be the same size or smaller because I know Whatever is bigger requires more attention, more maintenance, more stewardship. So to me, it's like simplify your life. And it starts with simplifying your thinking. And that is a courageous process is what I'm saying, right? Because you have to know. And if you don't really know, you're going to be misled. Right. So here's when you were speaking about money, what popped into my head was the Lord of the Rings. So so I'm going to assume that the listener somewhere, if you haven't seen the Lord of the Rings, you probably heard of it. Well, here's a great metaphor in the Lord of the Rings. The ring is powerful. The one ring that's actually the center of the story. But what we find out is that every time a human being possesses that ring, they lose their freaking mind. Yep. Things start to crumble around them. Well, it's the same thing when that dollar bill is the one thing that we're always chasing. Yep. Because once we get it, 
we find that something happens in our lives. Our personality changes. We become defensive. We, start, we become even more individualistic. We're telling people, I got mine, you get yours. Well, then the next thing you know, that person that thinks he's got everything he needs to know, he or she cannot figure out now why their relationship has fallen apart, why the children that they raised don't connect to the privilege that they have because they're missing the one thing that they need, which is relationship, connection, and belonging. But yeah. the parent that's got all that money, they're saying, I bought you this, I gave you this, you should be happy. Think about that, right? The, that very statement alone is dualistic, right? It's yeah. binary. I bought you this, you should be happy, right? Yep. Well, then the child could turn around and say, you, <clears throat> you did something for mom too, but she ain't happy. And now you're getting a divorce because she's with somebody else, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there. it's almost like it's a trick in the universe, right? That the more you reach for the one thing that you think is ha brings you happiness without doing the research again, without having the courage to say, what do I really need? And when I look at my neighbors in my community and it's like, there's something that's off in this community. I cannot just look at my community and just assume in a binary way of thinking that people are in the situation that they're in because they're not thinking right or they're not educated or they didn't do something else, right? We live on a planet that is interconnected and interdependent. No matter what we think about it, it is. And when we forget that, we start to lose. Yeah. The, the, the employer that's got the money who thinks that they can talk to their employees any kind of way because they're in a position of power is in a very binary way of thinking. This or I that. have this, you do that. Mm -hmm. And then they wake up one day, he or she, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then they find out that their employees are walking out the door. And then all of a sudden, they go from being in a position of power to being fraught with fears of loss. Yeah. Because they don't have those minions anymore to do their work. So they're calling people like you and they're saying, Sherry, can you help me? I, I'm having a hard time with this or that. And then when you start to explore what's going on, it's like, look, sir, ma'am, you need to change the way you are thinking about the people that work for you. Because you are thinking that because you write a check that you have all the power. But what you don't realize is you don't get to write the check without the very people that you're writing the check for because they are doing things that you yourself can't do. You, When you hear people use the expression, I am a one-legged person in a butt-kicking contest, that basically is telling you, I mean, that was, that was, as, that was as PG as I could get it. But basically what happens when you hear that, you are hearing a person that is immensely stressed always without rest. They can't get anything done. And from that perspective, you can rest assured that the rest of their life is in turmoil, right? Yeah. So I want to make sure people understand that this or that thinking 
is what you're calling the binary thinking. So it's where you reduce options to two. So it's that's this right. or that, or I do this, you do that, and and that's it. And it cuts off innovation. Uh, you know, one of the things that like people in the depression, people have lived through wars, et cetera, like the world wars, they had to become very innovative because they didn't have this, nor did they have that. So all of a sudden right. they had to come up with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. So and here's <laughs> another thing too. Here's another thing. So I, you know, I connect with a lot of people and because of my work, I meet up a lot of people in religious circles. Uh-huh. And so that's when I really hear it the most. Well, if they just had Jesus or if they just had this and then I'm listening to the person talking and I'm like, so you have now reduced divinity down to a binary system of thinking, right? Which is really dangerous. It's like, so how do you know that, right? How do you know what you're saying? And then you're looking at the person and then when they answer, they answer with another binary statement. And so I just keep taking that person down further and further. And then when when I'm done with them, they're like, I'm talking about something that I really don't know. And I'm like, that's exactly right. Because the power that created the planet and everybody in it cannot be reduced to what you call a binary system of thinking. If you, you if you believe that there is a omnipotent, omnipresent, all-knowing, right? Yeah. And it is a singular source, then everything comes from that singular source. So how do you square that in your mind? And now well, they're looking at me like I could actually square that quite easily, but because evil could, does not come could. from one source. However, here's the thing though, coach. The very people that say that sometimes are not having the very outcome they expect someone else to have if they have Jesus as people that claim to have Jesus. They're just as jacked as the one that they're looking at because belief is never centered around belief only. Belief always requires action and cooperation. Again, I just want to say that I believe that action is always at the center of what we do. But if we are not careful on how we arrive at that place in the way that we are thinking, right? And this is is what I'm saying, right? Um, I can offer an opinion about what I believe, but even my opinion and where it comes from, even from now through the rest of my life is still going to require research because where did that information come from that I'm basing my opinion on? Right. Mm -hmm. So, and we, I don't want to take anybody down that line, but what I'm saying is this is what I mean by courage, right? A lot of the things on the journey that we thought were true, that we have always believed that has conditioned our thinking, if we're not courageous enough to examine it, even now at every step along the way for its accuracy, we make a mistake. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like the hunter who zeroes his rifle a year ago. He doesn't go back and touch it again. And then he goes on a hunt, but he failed to realize that he or she, they have moved different places. They move things around. Maybe the rifle got bumped here or there. 
and they don't bother to check it. They just go out to go and hunt. But now their their rifle is no longer true. Yeah. Because they didn't constantly check it and attend to it. So they pulled the trigger and they missed. And when they realized that they missed and they've been out there for several days, they go back and said, you know what? I didn't go back and zero my rifle and make sure it was ready to go before I left. Or it's like the person that says, I always believed that this person was going to be there for me, but I never checked along the way in my relationship to make sure that he or she had what they needed to see whether or not if there was something that I could do. And because I failed to do that, one day I woke up and somebody said, you know what? I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Because they allowed themselves to stay in a frame of mind that produces an assumption. And I'm going to say that the assumption as well is going to come out of that either or thinking because you're, you're reducing complex matters down to things that you really, really haven't allowed yourself to sit with, to investigate, to see what's actually happening. So I want to highlight two things I think is important that you said. So the first one is it's a continuous action of courage and research. You know, you can't just, you know, go through life with your business, your marriage, your finances. No area of life is ever uh, on autopilot. Never. I mean, it's like saying to the person that calls calls themselves a Christian. So You get baptized and you believe that you are now saved. Okay, so once you get baptized 25 years ago, how do you live your life 25 years hence, right? Right. If you think that just because you took that action 25 years ago, that's all you need to do. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You can see how easily we can become trapped by making the assumption that we never have to continue to work. This applies to everything in our life. We're constantly working to improve our businesses. We're constantly working to improve our health. We're constantly working to improve our relationships, our community, our planet. And the minute we stop, we lose things. And when we do, it's never by accident. Yeah. It's by choice, right? Hey, guys. I wanted to uh, let you guys know that there is a part two to this episode. Uh, We talked for about an hour, and so I decided to go ahead and split it up. Uh, Next uh, episode will be released next week.